Hey there, welcome back. Today, my guest is Dustin Hassard, owner of Modern Athletics. Dustin is a strength and conditioning coach and massage therapist who enjoys teaching people how to build strength so they can meet the demands of life or sport, live pain-free, and optimize their health regardless of age. He believes if we prioritize fitness, we can improve all aspects of our lives. Dustin has worked with hundreds of athletes, adults, kids, and seniors from complete beginners to high performers. He holds certifications from the National Academy of Sports Medicine, National Council on Strength and Fitness, USA Weightlifting, the National Sports Performance Association, and more. He has worked as a personal trainer in New York City, taught weight training at Washington State University, and is a command fitness leader in the U.S. Navy with deployments to Spain and Africa. He currently resides in the beautiful Issaquah Sammamish area, just a short distance outside Seattle. Today, we talk about the amazing benefits of weight training, and not just for increasing strength and muscle mass, but for increasing longevity and metabolism and even improving mental health. And don't worry, you don't have to become a gym rat to reap the benefits. We even chat about what to do if you don't like lifting weights. So let's jump in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast for high-performing women who want to up-level their health and feel their best in their bodies, careers, and personal lives. In this podcast, I'll sift through the latest nutrition and biohacking trends to filter out the bullshit, share what you really need to know, and help you put the good stuff into practice in a way that works for you. You'll get actionable tips from guest experts and myself on how to up-level your mindset, workouts, relationships, and environment, and start feeling like the badass woman you are. Join me as we bust through the bro science and male-centric health paradigm to help you achieve optimal performance, body, mind, and soul. Hey, Dustin, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, genius. Great to be here. Yeah, it's fun to reconnect. So let's just kick it off. Let me hear a little bit about you. I'd love to know your story, a little of your background, how you got started doing this, and um, you know, just tell us a little bit about the evolution of becoming a trainer and starting your business. Great. Well, I'll keep this as short as I possibly can, being that I've had a few decades of life behind me. (laughs) Uh, I basically became a trainer back in 2011 to try and resolve my own struggles with fitness. Uh, My hope was that if I knew more and had a little bit more drive behind uh, my knowledge, I would be able to actually succeed on my own as well as uh, in fitness. And so, yeah, 2011, I became a trainer. And I refer to myself as a strength and conditioning coach because strength is what I focus on with my clients. And then skipping ahead, 2019, I started massage school to further expand my knowledge and became a massage therapist here in Washington State. And uh, like I said, I didn't really start taking care of myself until later on in life. It was in my 30s, really, where fitness began for me, which gave me, I feel, a unique perspective, whereas most fitness professionals tend to be, it seems that they've been fit their entire lives. So I don't know that they can always connect or relate to their clients when you've had a habit that's been lifelong versus the rest of us who are maybe just getting started later on in life and struggling with it. So that gave me a unique position there. Yeah, I can relate to that. I didn't get started in this until my late thirties. So I agree with you completely that those of us who have struggled in one way or another, um, sometimes can be better teachers because it's, you know, we've, we've had to, um, be in the trenches, so to speak. So Yes, we face the same obstacles as our clients. Yes. We try to make the mistakes ahead of time so that our clients don't have to. <laughs> exactly. You know? As far as my struggles go, is really just I ups and downs. I mean, I had some horrible experiences as a child with coaches mm-hmm. and in the gym that maybe kept me afraid and insecure to even go to the gym for a decade. I had my ups and downs. 
I had a, a great present from my mother when I was 21. She bought me a personal trainer and I had a few personal trainers and it was a great experience, but it just didn't last. Uh, they were kind of more of into the, the bodybuilding side of things, which is fine, but I didn't know there was other things outside of bodybuilding. So I just didn't really stick with it. So, you know, you go like a year strong, feel great. And then something in life happens as it does. And the next thing you know, it's like five years later. Yeah. And then I went through this phase too, where I was not taking good care of myself nutrition wise. I was drinking a little bit more than I should have been and uh, eating terrible foods, despite maintaining the physique that on appearance on the outside was like, oh, I'm in shape. But the reality mm -hmm. is inside my body was uh, not healthy. <laughs> so those were some struggles I faced with. And a lot of it was just the discipline, the motivation and not knowing where to go or begin with my training to get the results that I wanted. So it was kind of more of a shotgun approach or a blind approach to, to training, which does not work out too well mm -hmm. in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the difference, because I think some people have a misconception about weight training that it is bodybuilding and you have to become a bodybuilder mm -hmm. or you will look like a bodybuilder if you start to weight train. So yes. explain a little bit the difference between strength training, resistance training and bodybuilding. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, I don't blame people for having that misconception or misunderstanding as I did. So bodybuilding, I think of more like you're, you're basically working the gym to train your physique. Primarily, you're not thinking about the functionality of your body. It's more about, I want to look as good as possible. And it tends to be very focused and respect to bodybuilders because they are super dedicated. Like you can learn a lot about nutrition and muscle anatomy and development of those muscles through bodybuilders, they really put a lot of time and energy into way more than the rest of us want to is kind of the downside is, so they're very dedicated. I mean, they work out twice a day, every single day, they eat their meals out of Tupperware. So they are the ultimate when it comes to dedication, but they tend to isolate body parts. And like I say, it's more about making things look pretty. There's the, the emphasis on aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Strength training is really a pretty broad spectrum in terms of Strength for everybody might mean something different. It could be an athlete who wants to be stronger to perform better in their sport. It might be someone who's recovering from an injury and therefore being strong means being pain-free. For some people, it requires lifting hundreds of pounds to be strong. For some people, their body weight may be enough to, to be strong. But I distinguish strength training versus bodybuilding and more that's the functionality behind it. It's moving our body, especially our joints or our muscles in ways that make sense in our life, in ways that the body was meant to move. Yeah, I love that. With biggest distinctions. Absolutely, absolutely. I have heard it said by naturopathic doctors that I know that health is the absence of limitations. And I think that that's easily translated into strength training and fitness. You know, if you can minimize your limitations and be able to do all the things in life that you want to do freely and pain-free, that's pretty awesome. Like, why not? Why not pursue that? So that's really cool. I, I like to hear that. I'm just always encouraged when I hear about other people who've had challenges getting to where they're at, because I think it gives us a, a different perspective. We can relate to clients a little bit better and meet them where they're at. But I think also it's about mindset right? You kind of know what you didn't know before <laughs> and you know what it felt like to not feel strong or to not be fit or to not necessarily feel good in your body, right? And so having 
that knowledge is really, really powerful because it is motivating, right? It, it helps us to not want to go backwards. Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of the people that I work with often struggle with is staying consistent. And I think often that's because they're doing something that isn't necessarily functional, right? They're not necessarily training their body in a way that's going to give them a better quality of life, better movement, less pain. They're doing something because they feel like they should. Maybe they feel like they should be running or they should be doing tons of cardio or they should do, you know, CrossFit where they're trying to do Olympic lifts fast <laughs> without knowing how to do them, like all these things. That, and then they end up injured or, you know, um, just exhausted all the time or in pain. And they give up because they're not necessarily getting the results they want. And they're also not feeling good doing it. Segue that into something that I talk about all the time, which is the difference between men and women and how we need to train differently. You know, how a lot of um, science and data that we see is based on male test subjects, not necessarily women. So over the years, I know you've worked with a lot of women. What are the biggest differences that you've seen or the lessons that you've learned about how women need to train differently than men? Yes. So I would say that I work with probably about 90% of women in my business over the years. I want to kind of go back to some things you said, because there's some great points you hit on. Yeah. It's that, that connection that people can make. It's hard to want to do something when you don't know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be healthy or appreciate being eating healthy, being strong until you've experienced it yourself. Like if I could create one pill in the world, it'd be something that people could take and just feel for a moment what it feels like when your body is completely in tune mm. with your own fitness, where you feel strong, where you you yeah. have the energy level that you should have, because that's what will keep you going. And so a lot of fitness is kind of monkey see, monkey do. We, we see stuff that's promoted and there's tons of it, right? right. So it's very easy to get lost in that. And we just kind of mimic that. A lot of people go to the gym and they'll do what their bigger brother does or what their friend did or what they see people in the gym doing, right? Or influencers. So they don't really get a chance to dive into it. It's like, oh, I'll just try that. And you made a great point there. It's when it can, it translates into their life. You know, strength training is not, it's not the goal to become great at strength training or lifting weights or anything like that. The purpose of being strong is so that you can handle things better in your life, mentally and physically too. And people, that's when they really get connected. They make this connection. So an uh, example would be like, uh, I have a, a client who became recently a father for his, his, had his first kid. And he wasn't expecting this, but he was training. He's like, he's like, I cannot believe how much easier it is to take care of my baby mm, and the amount of yeah. things I do that are related to strength training, whether it's taking a knee, lifting objects in, in awkward ways, I say objects, but I mean, yeah. it, but it could be <laughs> toddlers. You know, so it's when people make that connection, whether it's in their life or in sports that they participate in, they're like, oh, now I see why strength is so important. Right. And it's important for people that go to that connection. So yeah, great point you make there. I just want to make sure I uh, piled on some more. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. Cause I think that those are exact, excellent examples. And I think that again, it's about pushing people away from the mindset of just being thinner or just being, you know, more ripped and into the mindset mm -hmm. of how can we best take care of our bodies? And 
increase longevity, increase your quality of life, feel better for longer, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Hello, amazing woman. If you're enjoying the show, I would love to connect with you over on Instagram. Just find me at J Oliver Wellness and DM me the words nutrition edit. I'll add you to my close friends list where I share exclusive content and you'll be the first to know about my upcoming masterclasses and programs and get early access to my waitlist. Okay, now back to the show. So now the bigger question you asked, which <laughs> I do love this because it is a, a major topic. It's about the difference between men and women and training them and maybe the approaches they should take. So a couple of ways we could go about this. We could talk about the physiological differences as well as the psychological differences. And I want to make that distinction. So I'll let you pick where we want to go first. Let's start with the psychological differences because I think okay, the cool, brain's cool, always yeah, driving the bus, right? <laughs> Exactly. You also mentioned that. And it's true that we only, the mindset's so important because we only, our body only does what our brain tells it to. So it does start with the, with the brain itself. So yeah, psychologically, that's where the biggest distinction that I see when training males versus females. So I have to communicate a little differently with different types of genders. That's I would say where I draw the line at the, the distinction, because for the most part, they're very similar. They, I was surprised to find out that men and women have the same concerns. Mm. Some people may be more vocal about it, what their concerns are or hesitations or obstacles. But down, down the road, the more I work with clients, I start to find that they tend to have the same emotions around stuff. They just might communicate it differently. And then women will tend to vary their goals a little mm. bit. You know, they're, the reason for getting strong might be different. And then the biggest emotional difference. Uh, so uh, sorry, guys, but uh, this is not going to sound too good for <laughs> you. I love working with women because they care more about quality of what they're doing. They're more interested in doing the correct form, which is very key in any training. And they don't let their egos get in the way. Mm. Egos is one of the biggest things that halts men in their progress because they're trying to do too much too soon or they feel like they have to do certain things. When the reality is no one cares what they're doing, but (laughs) their ego tends to get in the way. Not to say that there aren't people of all types out there that that have ego problems. I mean, it does creep into the gym with all of us, you know, myself included. So those are the biggest emotional differences uh, that I would say. Um, and in fact, this is kind of mean to me, but when I, ha, I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of seeing women get stronger because it's definitely picking up some, some speed here. It's getting a little bit more, more normal and as it should be. Yeah. But one of my favorite things to do is, and this kind of gets into the, the physiological side of things is most of my female clients dominate my male clients. Nice. There is no reason why women cannot perform at a high level. Yeah. Now, n- not to compare men and women anymore, uh, at least I'll try not to. doesn't matter who you are, what gender you are, you can make progress every single week. And it's relative to you, and that's what matters, that no matter who you are, you can continue to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. One of the things that I've seen commonly, and this will touch a little bit on something else we're going to talk more about later, but something that I've seen commonly with women that come to me is who I call my CrossFit girl. 
She is doing like probably five days a week of CrossFit, usually without rest days in between. She's trying to eat a super low carb paleo diet and things will go pretty well for her for four to six months. And then there seems to be this wall that they hit and they either end up injured and I'm not bashing CrossFit. I'm just using this as an example of a certain type of exercise, a really high intensity exercise that they're doing five days a week, um, minimal rest between exercises and between workouts. And what I've seen is that often their thyroid numbers will dip, their adrenals can get really dysregulated. So their sleep is thrown off, their hormones and their hormonal cycles get all screwed up. Sometimes they will actually lose their periods, even if they're not getting like ultra lean, which, you know, we see that with endurance athletes that they'll stop having periods because they're simply just too lean, but they get frustrated. And so at that point, what they start doing is trying to eat even less and work even harder. And then they start gaining weight. (laughs) So where I see the opposite, almost like with men that are doing that same thing, they seem to tolerate that pretty well. Have you seen that as in your experience at all? Or what are your opinions on that phenomenon? Don't see that. And I'll tell you why. It's because I'm aware of yeah. this. It does happen though. And that's a great point. That's a big concern. And you're, I admire the athlete you're describing because that is some dedication. Absolutely. That's like full on it. Yeah. Impressive. Um, but she's also pushing her body to the limits. It sounds like, you know, a little recovery time. Her prize has a very low percentage of body fat. And the more that dips down, this is a problem among like highly competitive female athletes. When that body fat dips down, you see huge hormonal changes. And there's things that happen to the female body when that that does happen. And you you hinted on some of those. So it makes sense that she would start to run into this this wall. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely do see it. And uh, it's just one of those things I have to educate clients on and, and be aware. It's, I would say it's kind of a good problem to have, but you don't want them to actually run into that. So if we can avoid it, great, but you just deal with it if it does happen. And unfortunately, that's the sacrifice some people have to make when they're competing at a high level, like female athletes in team sports or individual sports that are competitive, they just have to kind of accept mm-hmm. those hormonal changes to the best of my knowledge. I mean, there might be someone out there who has found a way around it, but the levels they're performing at, it, it seems like it just goes with the territory and that's unfortunate, but, and they can also at least be aware and maybe combat it and not, not get to that point and still be a high performer. Yeah, definitely. And I think obviously nutrition plays a huge role in that. I think, you know, and this is an aside, we won't dive deep on this because this is something that I'll, you know, hammer at <laughs> over and over in future. Um, but this concept of just trying to eat less and exercise more, like it's very rare that you see high-performing athletes doing that. They're not focused on severe calorie reduction. They're focused on fueling for performance, right? So it, it is very different. And I know, you know, high-performing athletes that aren't necessarily endurance athletes don't necessarily have the same challenges hormonally as endurance athletes do. I think just because they're not pushing as hard as long. Yeah. But anyway. So that's all related to that lower body fat. Yeah. You feel like it's significant. I do. So that's that's what I found too. And uh, here's some of the things I listed that 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 affects for women. And that's they have chronic fatigue, mm-hmm. weakened bones, mm. a disordered metabolism, memory problems, and inability to concentrate. And then 
a weakened immune system, and then also a, one that can have bigger long-term effects that I've actually come across with some of my clients, and that is body image and eating disorders yeah. that oh. will translate into their adult life. Like I've had a number of female clients, and, and uh, so this is both psychological and physiological, that have confessed after a couple of years of training that, yeah, they had a eating disorder or used to have one, you know, and it's a very tough thing for them to, to tell me about, mm -hmm. but it is also something that was like, you could tell it was a struggle for them and, and it was things like this led to that. Right. And that's a very unhealthy thing to have to experience, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've been there. I've struggled with eating disorders. I was bulimic for years and I have friends who used to be high level competitive gymnasts and volleyball players and, you know, division one athletes, Olympic athletes sometimes who were battling eating disorders in the background. You have good friends. Yeah, I do have good friends. <laughs> but definitely like gymnasts, dance. I have friends who are ex-ballerinas, like professional ballerinas. Man, you it is That's rampant right in that world, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So it's it's really a shame because here are these incredible athletes. And, yes. you know, instead of being focused on what they're accomplishing and how amazing their bodies are, it, they've been pushed into this mindset of never being good enough, right? Exactly. And I have to say, like, that's one thing for me that strength training completely revolutionized in my life. Feeling strong, starting to see muscle definition in my body when I started strength training, it was so incredibly empowering. It was a completely different feeling from constantly just wanting to be thinner, take up less space, be smaller, wear a smaller size look more like that magazine ideal. And and like you mentioned before, I think it's really exciting to see that we're coming out of that and that women with muscle and curves and, you know, strong athletic bodies are now becoming more the ideal. And I think that's really exciting. But again, it's, you know, we have to stay grounded in what feels right for me and my, my body, what do I want to accomplish, what are my goals versus comparing ourselves to others or some unrealistic ideal. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned like, you kind of hit at this point, the great thing about strength is you start to think less about your outside appearance yeah. and you start to focus more on your performance. Exactly. You know, like how you feel physically and mentally and you start to make that connection in the gym mm -hmm. or wherever in your life that you're like, oh, I can do this now and I couldn't do this before. Like yeah. clear signs. Another reason I love strength training there's clear indicators, factual indicators, you know, indisputable things that you can measure. That's like, it is obvious you're getting better and you don't have to sit there and judge or doubt or, you know, play mind games with yourself yeah. as to whether or not you're making progress. Right. I can look at my sheet and be no. like, I'm lifting five, you know, pounds heavier on each arm in my chest press this week. Like that feels so good. And, you mm -hmm. know, the endorphins that we're producing as we're training. That's a whole other subject we can talk about, but it just feels good. Like it gives you that kind of boost of feel good neurotransmitters for the day. You're more alert, you're more energetic, you know, you're more focused, you feel happier and better. So let's talk a little bit about metabolism, metabolic health. Mm -hmm. Why is strength training more effective than just cardio? when it comes to fat loss and metabolism? 
This is another big one. Keep this, keep this under an hour. Uh, <laughs> I know. We could talk about this for like three episodes. Uh, easily, yeah. The simplest way of putting it, the more muscle we have, the more calories we can burn on a daily basis. So we boost our yes. metabolic rates. And that does slow as you age and more so with women, especially as they hit those uh, menopausal ages, they over 50 plus. I mean, it starts even sooner. Yeah. So it's important that we are able to combat our metabolism slowing by building more muscle mass. And muscle mass is also important too, because you just become more resilient as you age. And you also provide yourself a little bit of armor and you're not going to end up being frail yeah. as you get into better years in life. So it is important to continuously build muscle. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but even more, there is things more important than muscle mass, believe it or not, in strength training, uh, especially for women. So, but going back to the whole like muscle burning more calories, basically about 10 pounds of muscle will burn about 50 calories, whereas uh, 10 pounds of fat would burn only about 20 calories. So you're talking a two and a half times mm -hmm. increase. Mm -hmm. And I always think of muscle mass as like, playing the stock market, right? So if I can build muscle, in a sense, I'm creating a bank account that earns me money even when I'm not working. Yes. Right? And so the payoff with having muscle is huge. And an added bonus besides looking better, feeling better, is you might actually see the, uh, I mean, you're going to see the aesthetic benefits of that, but you might be able to enjoy a little bit more food than you might originally intended. Mm -hmm to enjoy, right? So you, you have a little bit more leniency, not saying I'm giving you a free pass to just go crazy, <laughs> but you can get away with a, a, a little bit more in your diet than you could with the out strength training or without that muscle mass. Yeah. It makes you more metabolically flexible. Mm -hmm. I do have some, some statistics that I don't know if you want to dive into the, uh, the physiological side of that where men and women are different yet you know i think this stuff's fascinating and i'll, I'll try not to keep it too crazy because there is a lot of statistics well first let me ask you do you want to go there yes yes let's do it okay so i will say i'll kind of preface this about like statistics i think and data research is very important but i don't ever want to take it as the absolute truth it's sure it's going to change especially as we learn more and we have more people working on this but you ought to understand when it comes to data related to fitness there's so many variables that you just cannot yeah. control. It's very hard to get accurate numbers. So if I shout out a percentage, just know that there's probably going to be a big margin of error there, but at least it gives us some truth with that data. Yeah. So when it comes to, to uh, women, when they hit those, uh, it actually starts very young. So I've seen statistics that say women start to lose 2% muscle mass per year as early as age 19. I've also seen it as high as 9% starting early on. And it is believed that, that they're losing about 4.5% per year. They actually muscle loss up to like 8% even after the ages of 30. So that doesn't sound very good for women, right? It's not as significant with men. So this is definitely where a distinction can be made. But the, here's the good news about that. And before I give you the good news, this also does apply to something I'm a little more passionate about now than muscle mass, and that is your bone mineral density. Mm, yeah. And this is one thing that's severely affected for women by those hormones changing as they age is they become at a greater risk for osteopenia, you know, having weak bones and which can lead to osteoporosis, brittle bones. And women over 50 are especially high risk for that. You've probably heard the stat, it seems like a lot of people in our industry are talking about this now, where over the age of 65, 
if you have these uh, brittle bones you're, and you cause yourself an injury through, through a fall, mm-hmm. such as like a hip injury, right. your morbidity rate, your chance that you're going to die within the next year is incredibly high. It's, it's staggering. like 30 to 40% chance. It's crazy. And I've seen numbers that are as crazy as like 80% yeah. that your chances of living past a year are very limited. So, And that's just because of brittle bones. So, and that's due to a drop of estrogen in uh, as you're aging, right? So all these numbers are, are scary for bone loss and, and muscle mass loss for women starting at a very, very early age, I would consider. The good news is this seems to only apply to sedentary populations. So yeah. this is worrisome if you do nothing, if you don't do things to strengthen your bones and your muscles. But if you do, guess what? These numbers don't apply to you. You can actually put a stop to this this process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never too late. I always tell people it's never too late to start that. It's never sure it's ideal if you can start early in life, but a lot of us didn't. Yeah. A lot of us didn't. It's never too late and you should never stop right. once you start. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have clients that started at age 70. I've even had clients that were over 80, even 90 when they first started. Wow. So never too late. That's Absolutely. amazing. It'd be great if we all started when you're younger, but I mean, there's a lot of things I'm sure we wish we would start if we were younger, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just now starting to offer different lab testing. And one of the add-on options is what they call internal age. <laughs> it's like an add-on where they say, okay, here's your biological age in comparison to your chronological age. And it's incredible to see that some people, you know, in their 60s, 70s, maybe even 80s, their biological age is like they're in their 40s. Sometimes maybe their 30s because they are so metabolically healthy. They've maintained muscle mass. You know, they stayed super active. They've had good nutrition. Whereas you can see some really young people that are maybe only in their 20s or 30s, but their biological age is significantly older just because of, you know, oxidative damage, lifestyle, food choices, sedentary lifestyle, like you're talking about. So I think that that's something for people to really keep in mind that you know, your chronological age is not necessarily reality for how Mm -hmm. he's going to be as you become an older person. So we have some control over that. It's not just, you know, so many people are like, oh, I I mean, I had a woman in her early thirties that I recently started working with. And when she first came to me, she was like, I just, my metabolism is just slowing down. I think, you know, I'm just slowing down. I'm thinking you're in your early thirties. Like, no, <laughs> that's not the case. Like something else is going on and it's not inevitable. You know, I think people assume, well, you know, as soon as I hit my mid to late thirties, like it's all downhill from there. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's such a huge misconception. Yes. And that's one of my buttons uh, is when people start and it happens almost daily. I hear someone relates something deteriorating because of age. And yes, there are things that are affected by age, but a lot of stuff control. And you talked about chronological age. Like we can't do anything about that that I know of, but we right. can do a lot to improve that biological yeah. age and anti-aging and reversing aging is is becoming a very big topic as it should be because there is so much we can do to keep ourselves healthy. And it Go into the mindset thing too, yeah. which is super important, as you mentioned early on. If you have this attitude that you're just going to become deteriorating as you age, yeah. then that's going to be the reality. Where if you have a, an approach where you're like, age is not going to do anything to stop me. Yeah. 
And so I, yeah, I feel better now than I have ever felt. Same. And I want to keep this trend going. Absolutely. And I see no reason why I cannot continue to improve my mental and physical health well into the day I die. Like my plan is to just walk into my own grave as I, when I decide it's time. <laughs> Wouldn't that you know? be nice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like All that right. plan. I'm on board with that. <laughs> well, I think too, you know, muscle, we're talking about muscle and using our muscles. There are so many different things that that's regulating in the body, right? I mean, without optimal muscle function, like we can't regulate our metabolism, blood sugar, uh, inflammation, hormones, you know, all of those things are regulated to some degree by our amount and quality of, of muscle mass. And so, you know, for example, if somebody eats a plate of French fries, all right, and then they go lie on the couch, what's going to happen? Your body's going to store that, probably is fat. Whereas if you eat, and again, this is not like, hey, go eat a giant plate of fries before your workout. However, if you were to do the same thing, yeah, and then go weight train, like your muscles are primed and ready to, you know, your insulin is going to increase. Those muscles are going to uptake that glucose. That blood sugar spike that you get from those fries is going to level off much more rapidly than if you went and laid on the couch. It's going to stay elevated for a while because you're not moving. Like there's nowhere for it to go. So, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, like you said, we can become much more metabolically flexible and we can actually manipulate what your body does with the calories that you're inputting according to our activity. And so we can be strategic in that way. And I always tell my clients like, hey, if you've got like you know, a big family dinner or a day out, or it's your day where you're like, hey, I'm just going to not worry about anything. I have like a protocol free day and enjoy myself. Like, great. Do a workout in the morning. Like do your weight training that morning. Do leg day. If you're going to, you know, have a giant piece of birthday cake, like awesome. Enjoy it, but give it somewhere to go. Like take a walk after your meals, like simple things like that. Um, because again, you know, the more muscle mass you have, the more insulin sensitive you are simply by sheer number of muscle cells, right? Of taking glucose. And more muscle is anti-inflammatory, which is really, really cool. It can help regulate our inflammatory responses. So there's so much here. There's some really great authorities out there. Dr. Jay Tita is one of them. He's one of my teachers. I did a bunch of studying under him. He's an expert on all of this. Um, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman, um, there's another female doctor that I'm blanking on her name, but she talks about the importance of you know, protein intake, especially for women. And especially as we age, we often need more protein, not less. And, you know, if we can start increasing muscle mass and at least maintaining it, man, we do ourselves a huge, huge favor. Yes. Yeah. And you mentioned a lot about energy there. And mm -hmm. uh, people should know that having low energy is not a normal thing. Right. It's normal because we all experience it, but it's not supposed to be a normal it's thing. Common, like, but not normal. You should be able yeah. to go every day. You should be pretty energetic throughout most of the day. You know, the only time you might crash is maybe after a, a heavy day of lifting that tax on your nervous system. You will feel those effects of a workout sometimes, but sure. it's a different kind of tired than uh, sleepy tired or low energy tired or food crashes. Yeah. So yeah, it should not be low energy. Drastically different. Yeah. So. Going back to women for a moment, well, and I guess it's people in general, um, 
what are some of the most common misconceptions that you hear? I mean, I know the most common one that I hear from people is, well, I don't want to bump yeah. up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's a legitimate concern. You know, I don't want to brush people off when they say, I don't want to be like, oh, you're not going to get bulky or not worry about it. You know, I got to address their concerns legitimately because what tends to happen, and I'll say this, you know, if you do, if you are the type of person who builds muscle fast, like there, that's generally what will fall. That statement is I build muscle really fast. I want to say, keep that to yourself because the rest of us have to work. I know, very, right? Like <laughs> to build muscle. Lucky so you. So kind of meet you a little bit when you say that, <laughs> if it is true, yeah. you're a superhuman. So yes, it's very tough to build, very tough to build muscle. We can go into what that actually takes, but yeah, getting bulky. And I understand some people don't want to look that way. They're afraid of just like puffing up. But another big concern for people is they want their clothes to still fit. Mm -hmm. And they might be trimming down, but then their sleeve is tight, right? Yeah. So I, I, I tend to not, I don't like wearing tight clothes. So I don't ever have that problem. I really like clothes be a little baggier on me. So I've never been able to relate to that, but I totally get it. So yes, yeah, so getting bulky is legit concern. However, I find it's most often related that bulkiness is usually related because there's a change in their, in their diet. They have a different type of appetite post-workout and they need to maybe adjust their habits around their workouts. Because they do maybe feel like they need to consume a little bit more of these kind of naturally do. So I, I tend to look at that a little more. And then I tell them, worst case scenario, if you have too much muscle, like just wait a week, it'll be gone. Right. It, it goes away fast. It's kind of cruel, but it goes bye bye real quick. Right. If you're not using it. Right. Well, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but my understanding too is that especially when we initially start strength training, you know, we're tearing those muscle fibers, repairing, there's some level of inflammation happening. And typically when our inflammation increases, for good or bad reasons, we are retaining more water. So sometimes when people first start weight training or they, you know, are increasing weights and moving to the next level in their training, they can feel a little more of that sort of puffiness, bulkiness. Let me know your thoughts on that. And then also, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the body's not great at multitasking when it comes to burning fat and building muscle simultaneously. Those are hard things to do. And there's ways that we can kind of force ourselves to do that However, I think a lot of people, when they first start weight training, they're not necessarily in a fat loss state yet. So yes, they're increasing muscle, but the fat isn't going away yet. And so, yeah, they feel like they look a little, a little larger, a little bulkier mm -hmm. initially. Yeah. And I think that all sounds legit. It's, it, it makes sense too, because if you're using your muscles in a I'll call to me weight training, strength training is high intensity exercise. It's not what is yeah. commonly thought of as like, you know, intense conditioning or like being out of breath type workouts, high volume. As far as your body's concerned, physiologically, mm -hmm. high intensity is the stress you place in your muscles, yes. which is generally lower reps, higher resistance. So it makes sense though, because when I'm using my muscles against that type of resistance, my muscles only work because blood flows to mm -hmm. them. Keeping it simple. I don't want to get into like muscle spindles and all <laughs> yeah. that acting and things like that. But uh, yeah, m when I have more blood flowing to areas, blood is consists a lot of water, right? So it makes sense that there's going to be some water retention that might create a bloating effect. And then sometimes it's a perception too. Like mm -hmm. people think uh, I'm getting, maybe they judge that pump that we all love yes. so much. Those of us who like big muscles, we get that pump and it's, it's awesome. And I wish it would stay, right? You, you do a workout and you just, you see it. You feel, you feel bigger, stronger, right? So they get that pump and maybe they're judging themselves too early after the workout, but, but it could also be that they're 
kind of more just they think it. I don't want to say it's all in their head, but this is why I encourage everyone I train to take before and after mm -hmm. photos, mm -hmm. at least initially. Yeah. Because we're seeing ourselves every day and we're not seeing these small little changes that happen. Right. I've experienced this myself too, or my example is like I did like a an insane diet for like 30 days where it was, and I took my before and after photos and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, there's not there's nothing going on. Like I just don't see it. But I compared the before and after photos and it was obvious the difference. Like yeah. you could see port parts of my body where it were clearly leaner, there was more chisel, there was a chain in change in shape. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to use before after photos rather than their own um, you know, thoughts in the mirror yeah. to to judge that bulkiness. Right. And if, if it is a bulkiness issue, we just switch up the program. Maybe we put a little more emphasis on some conditioning versus strengths. You know, it's very easy to adjust. And I do this on a weekly basis if I have to. I will adjust whatever needs to happen to make sure that we're on track for whatever their goals are. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's also important that we track our workouts too, so that we can see and identify where the issue is and address it, you know, change course if needed. Sure, sure. I think another thing too that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, there's a pound of muscle and a pound of fat. They both weigh the same 16 ounces, mm -hmm. it's a pound. But the difference being that if you are actually transforming your body composition, meaning your percentage of body fat, lean muscle mass, you know, water, et cetera, that pound of muscle is much more dense and compact than that pound of fat, which is much fluffier, right, Archer? Um, and so that toned look that a lot of women, especially like, I just want to look toned. I don't want to build. I don't want to bulk up, but I want to look toned. Well, you have to have muscle to look toned. Like you have to yeah. build the muscle yeah. to look toned. Um, but, you know, you may have that initial feeling where you might feel puffier or bulkier. But if you can stay the course and stay consistent, and especially, you know, in the kitchen, paying attention to your nutrition and um, fueling your body appropriately, you will eventually see that you look firmer and tighter and, mm -hmm. you know, better <laughs> versus, you know, the whole eat less, exercise more, calorie restriction thing. You're probably just going to look like a slightly smaller version of exactly what you look like now. You're not necessarily going to look more chiseled or more toned or firm. Um, so I always encourage people, you know, don't, don't give up, stay the course and be consistent because it does definitely pay off in the long run. Yes. And you can see it when, you know, online, if you go on, sometimes I've seen photos of women that all weigh 150 pounds, right? And there's all these different body types and heights. And they all weigh 150 pounds. And, you know, you could see someone who is tiny and, but they're really, really lean and muscular. And even though she's maybe 5'3 or 5'2 or something, she weighs a lot because that dense, you know, muscle, she's got a lot of that muscle, but she looks amazing. Yet another reason yeah, why- Weight doesn't tell me anything about a person's health. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, like, exactly. Tell me some things, but not what's important. No, it's not so, good data. Great point. It's not good data. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a great issue in Sports Illustrated. I think it was one of their body issues where, you know, they have all these like great athletes take pictures practically naked. Yeah. Uh, and they are naked. It's just, you know, a little more tasteful. Mm -hmm. But there was a, a some female athletes in there who discussed that where I think it was like 142 is what they weighed. And it's like four years of training or however many years of training at the end of that training, they still weighed that, that weight, but you can see the transformation in the images of right. like, 
here they were here at 142. And then here they were looking sleek and that desired image that a lot of people have, that leanness, that tone, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Sculpted. It was same weights, right? So right. Yeah, that muscle mass, that density of muscle mass versus fat is is so key to understand. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a drastic difference, isn't it? Yeah. I mean Yeah, it's like a it's like a softball versus a golf ball. Mm. I've seen images. There's models out there of like the fat versus a pound of muscle versus a pound of fat. And it's somewhere along those lines of like softball to golf ball size. Yeah. Even if I was like softball to to tennis ball, that's still much better. Right. Yeah. You know, relation or ratio there. Well, yeah, and and again, like, yes, there are aesthetic benefits, no doubt, but the physiological benefits, the longevity benefits, the brain health benefits. I mean, we're t we're hearing Perfect. so much now. We know so much more now about Alzheimer's, dementia, and their links to dysregulated blood sugar and type two diabetes and insulin resistance. And so, you know, and dementia is much more common in women. So if we want to maintain healthy brains for the rest of our lives, like there is nothing better that we could do than to get some muscle going, increase our insulin sensitivity, right? Yeah. And um, it's so protective for us and hormonally too. You know, in a heavy strength training workout, men will produce more testosterone, but women will produce more human growth hormone. Human growth mm. hormone is incredibly anti-aging it's really, really good for you, you know? So, um, and I admit to being as vain as the next guy. Like I love the anti-aging benefits of strength training. I love the fact that at nearly 50, I feel better about how I look than I did in my, you know, early thirties, late twenties. Um, and honestly, when I see pictures of some of the people that I went to high school with, like, I know this sounds really awful and arrogant, but it, it, it's hard for me to believe that they're the same age as I am. It's like, how is that person like the same age as me yeah. or you're younger or something like, you know, along those lines, because it's, it's, it is drastically different. And, um, you know, given we don't all have access to, you know, expensive home gym equipment or personal trainers necessarily, or gym memberships even. Um, but like you mentioned, some people can get really strong and really increase their strengths, just doing body weight exercises, mm -hmm. invest in a resistance band, do that kind of stuff. I mean, um, what are tips that you have for people that maybe have limited resources that want to get strong and want to, you know, just be more cognizant of building and maintaining their muscle mass? Yes. So you mentioned equipment and, and that's kind of what turns people off. One of the appeals of like running is yeah. you just need so and i get that it's a little overwhelming um like if you saw my gym there's a lot of toys and guess what all those toys basically do the same thing it's just they change my mood right i might be interested in using one piece of equipment versus the other even though the movement behind it is exactly the same the outcomes can be pretty much the same so you don't need a lot of equipment yes you can start with your own body weight uh, i will say like Body weight, you will outgrow that very quickly because mm -hmm. your body needs that stimulus. Right. It needs that extra resistance. And your body weight won't be enough to sustain that that growth or that increase in strength. So, But you don't need a lot of equipment. I, I run a program now where I just have people get one to three kettlebells. And you could literally do every type of thing I would do in any other workout. 
and it would last your lifetime. Mm. And that's a small investment. You're talking mm-hmm. under $200 to get all that equipment. So, and it takes up very little space. You can take it to the park with you, work outside, whatever. It's, it's easy to, to haul around. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot of equipment. In fact, it's not even about the equipment. It's more about what you're doing within the workout itself. And I could definitely go into great detail about what you should be doing to build strength and some boxes you need to check some criteria there, but yeah, you should not be limited by equipment. It, the, having access to a trainer, I mean, it's great. We live there. You can have access anyway. Like I, I do a lot of business online virtually. So yeah. you, it is better. It's great being there in person. I no doubt about it, but it's not necessary. And there's so much free information out there, mm-hmm. whether it be books. I mean, that's how I got started. I just read some books and it's a good place yeah. to start. And then you start to filter out and find coaches that you like, and you can learn a lot from them. I mean, money should never be the issue. It's pretty much free to train. Right. But if you want to have lots of equipment and your own coach, yes, that's of course can be a little bit of luxury, but not a limitation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of nonsense and people that are kind of yahoos out there, but I also think there are a lot of really great people out there doing YouTube and different, you know, things on, on free platforms. Um, what tips, Justin, do you have for someone who maybe doesn't enjoy weight training or they think they don't like strength training? Cause I come up against this sometimes where people be like, but I don't like lifting weights. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my face. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I should probably preface we were talking about strength training. Uh, I'm not, although I am biased towards strength training as a strength coach, I'm not condoning people only do strength training. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a foundational and that everyone should do strength training, but I'm not saying only do that. Right. In fact, I would be crazy not to do things beyond strength training. You're just going to get a lot more if you combine it with other things too. And that's, that's really the point. I mean, even athletes, they're not in the gym to be great at weightlifting. Right. They're in the gym to be good at weightlifting so they can be better athletes. It's the same for us. We just want to be better at the things we do outside the gym. So We'll talk about strength training and how lovely it is and how much I just can't get enough of it. And it's by far my favorite subject, but I just want to make sure people understand. Um, I am okay with other things too. Whatever you do to stay active, it's totally cool, but hopefully I can sell you on strength training. So if you don't enjoy it, uh, that's a problem because if you're going to sustain it, it has to be on some level fun. Right. I don't think it's ever fun. Maybe like one out of a hundred workouts I enjoy. Really? I say it's fun when it's done, right? <laughs> it, it, it's, especially if you're pushing yourself, it may not be enjoyable, but what I do connect it with is how I feel the other hours I'm not mm, working mm-hmm. out, right? And the bang for the buck that I get from strength training, like I can, most of my clients only train strength twice a week. I mean, I'm even seeing people that train one time a week and still get the benefits. And we'll go over the benefits here yeah. shortly just so people can kind of see, we hinted at some of them, but there's there's a big list of benefits that you get from strength training. So to answer your question, like what tips do I have? Uh, you got to pick exercises maybe that you like the most or dislike the least. You got to connect it with your goals. It's like, okay, by doing this exercise or lifting this weight, it's going to help me do this thing that I want to do outside the gym, right? Whether it's look a certain way for an upcoming event or whether it's like, I want to be able to pick up my, my kid as I get older, you know, it's, you got to yeah. connect it with something that's important to you because what you're lifting in the gym is may not be important to you. I mentioned the progress photos. That's a real, oh, that one really hits hard for me. It's because I can see the progress and what it's doing 
it's like, wow, the reward is just undeniable. Right. And what I get in return for the effort I put in is, is, uh, is awesome. It's exponential, right? It's a strength training is a force multiplier in terms of getting the things out of it that I want. You want to measure performance because again, that connects. It's like, wow, you see yourself getting stronger. I can do this thing that I couldn't do before. That helps me fall in love with it a little bit more. And like I said, don't only lift weights, you know, right. it's great if you could play a sport or do some other activity that you get to use that strength in, yeah. you know, that makes it like, oh, uh, wow, I'm, I'm, my run times are faster. I'm, I'm not in pain. I can walk longer distances. I can hike better. Right? Yeah. I can do my job better because of strength training. So you'll, and that's the thing. Everyone seems to have that transformation. Like once they give it a fair shot. They start to be like, oh, okay, now I get it, right? Right. Yeah, I do find that it's really helpful for people often to feel like they're training for something versus just like lifting weights to lift weights. Um, and I, I always tell my clients initially, if they're people who are currently sedentary or not doing anything regularly activity-wise, I always encourage them to start with something that they love just to create that positive feedback loop in their brain around exercise or fitness or movement in general, right? Like if you hate the idea of going to the gym, but you love the idea of walking some hills maybe in the park or doing a Zumba class, like whatever, dancing in your living room to fun music, I don't care. Just start to create that positive association with movement and with exercise where you're connecting with your body, you're using your body, um, you know, in some sort of fun fun way for you. Um, And then you can always, because I feel like it is sort of addictive, right? Once we start that, we Mm -hmm. feel good. We feel better. We are happier. Like it changes your mood so much. And then you can kind of fine tune and go, okay, well now I have bigger goals. What will help me reach those goals? Or now I really want to focus more on like my metabolic health. So maybe I'll bring in some resistance at that point. Yes, it is a process and you grow from it and start to add on new things, learn new things. But it is important that you do what you enjoy. Like I would say strength training is probably the thing people like the least, including athletes. <laughs> it's not necessarily the most fun. Some people absolutely love it and good for them. I'm not one of those people, believe it or not. But, you know, it's it, find a thing that's fun for you. Yeah, there's thousands of activities you can do. And you may not like strength training and just totally give it up. That's that's fine also. I mean, it's unfortunate you're missing out on all these benefits we'll talk about. But... As long as you're doing something, the only thing that you should not do is nothing. Right. You know, yeah. If, if you're just going to sit on your Absolutely. butt, and sedentary, that's that's the only issue. But other than that, do whatever you like, and uh, hopefully you'll grow from there and start to try different things. You know, but you got to give it a fair shot. You know, if you're going to do strength training, I definitely have some tips on that. This applies to anything in fitness. Like you want to focus on one thing at a time. Like don't try and start a new diet and a strength training regimen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that's just gonna be overwhelming because there right. is a learning curve for both. You're, you're disrupting the habits that you set in your life. So you need to have this focus in a specific area. So if you're gonna start a strength training, devote all your attention to strength training. And it doesn't take a lot, you'll find out, to do. It's a very small commitment in terms of the time required and what you get in return. But uh, us, the best thing I think you can do is get a training partner, someone mm, else yeah. to join you in the process. It's way more fun to work out with somebody. And I don't mean a coach because they're not in the trenches with you. Having someone else to hold you accountable and make it social for you and just you keep each other going is awesome to have. 
And then, of course, I do believe you should absolutely hire a coach, even just initially. Right. I mean, if it's just for one session, I pride myself on teaching people to be independent of me because I know that they're not always going to be able to, whether it's schedules or um, logistics of where I'm living or maybe they move or for whatever reason, expenses, of course, they are not always going to have a trainer at their side. So they need to understand why they're doing the things they're doing and how to do them. And if you just learn a few basic principles, you're going to carry that over into all the exercises and workouts you do in the future. So, but it's good to have that base knowledge first, rather than just trying to figure it out on your own. You're going to save yourself a lot of time and frustration and probably lack of results if you just go hire yourself a coach. Yeah, right? I 100% agree with that. Absolutely. You know, being consistent, as you mentioned, like that's probably the most important thing for anybody in anything you do. That consistency is more yeah. important than intensity. If you can increase the frequency in which you do stuff, you don't have to worry so much about the intensity. Mm -hmm. and eventually, that intensity might scale up because you find yourself more just primed and you got good momentum going. And like, oh, I'll go a little harder today, right? Like, I had a lazy, lazy run the other day, my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I was like, only going to run a mile and a half or so. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so lazy, whatever. And then by the end of it, I ended up going like an extra mile. I just got into it. I felt it. I was like, oh, yeah. what do you know? Right. So you just never know where that, that consistency is going to lead you to increase that intensity. Yeah. That's one of my tricks for people is, and, and one of my own mind tricks with myself is I'll tell myself, I'm just going to do five minutes. <laughs> like something mm -hmm. stupid, easy that okay. seems like pointless kind of, but I'll go, you know, I'm just going to do five minutes because once I start, that's the hard part. It's just starting. Once I started, it's yes. like you kind of get into it and you're like, oh, maybe I'll just do 15. And then before I know it, mm -hmm. you know, I've gotten at least a, a 30 minute workout in. Yeah. And something you and I were talking about too, before we were, you know, initially talking about doing this podcast together. Most of the people that I work with have insane schedules. Like they have really demanding careers and mm -hmm. their time is their most precious asset. And so often, you know, they think, oh, I've got to spend an hour hammering away in the gym. Like, no, you don't like 30 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, Sometimes even like 20 minutes, if you can do yeah. that three, four, five days a week versus trying to carve out this big chunk of time, like three days a week, often it's much more practical for them. And they find that it's easier to be more consistent, even though it's something that's more frequent in their schedule, because it's a smaller chunk of time. It doesn't feel so over overwhelming. It doesn't cut into their day in a big way. And then they do have all those those benefits, which I'll let you kind of expand on. But, you know, the energy, the focus, um, mood, everything like that. So, yeah, time is a factor. And you mentioned work. That seems to be the the biggest cause of the decline in our health is our work, everything that's related to that. But it's unavoidable. Right. So yeah. hopefully one day we'll, we'll work towards um, shorter work schedules and less stressful work. Yes. But, uh, you know, that's getting it's a bigger mission out there. But yeah, time and there's no rule that says my body needs to work out for 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Like the body doesn't know. It knows the stimulus. Mm. It doesn't know how much time you're actually spending. So I'd rather somebody work out every day for 20 minutes at any level than try and just cram in a couple high intensity, like leave it all on the table. Yeah, floor, weekend warrior things. Pull out workouts, you know, you're just going to see better progress with that consistency. And it carries over into other workouts too. The more time you have in between workouts, the harder it is to get right. going. So that consistency does feed into that a lot. So yeah, there's no rule. Like workout five, I, I do 10 minute workouts. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be great in a perfect world if I had all the time. Like I'd love to be able to do 90 minute, two hour workouts. Um, that's a little excessive, 
But uh, I remember the the best shape I probably was in is when I was unemployed, you know, yeah. willingly, willingly unemployed. And I was like, I just go to the gym and I could just take my sweet time. That feels like such a luxury, you know, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was great. But yeah, 10, 20 minutes, totally doable. And that still always feels good, like better than zero, right? Yes. So we've hinted a lot about the benefits and I always like, I love to rattle off a list and hopefully people can connect with at least one of these. Um, cause to me, there's just like, it's like, why would you strength chain when you know these benefits, right? So we talked about of course, increasing muscle, which is going to ultimately decrease our body fat. We're increasing our metabolism. So we burn more calories. A big one that I like that most people don't care about unless they've experienced it is injury resistance. Oh, Less yeah. likely to get hurt whatever it is we're doing. Like people get hurt sitting. So, you know, back pain, hip pain, it happens from sitting. People hurt from, get hurt from falling. They get hurt from playing their sport, whatever it is. You know, you make your body more resistant to injury okay. when you do strength training, yeah. which of course includes the quality of the tissue, your muscle tissue, your connective tissue, such as your, your ligaments in the joints themselves. So you have this great joint stability. Your bone density, we talked about how important that is, especially for women. We don't want to become frail and brittle and break easily. So bone density is like, I think that's the thing I'm probably going to be most locked into lately with what I've been researching and hearing a lot about uh, bone density. And I've seen awesome images of cross sections of people's legs of those who work out versus those who don't work out. Mm. And you'll notice not only the significant layers of fat to muscle, but how small people's bones get when they don't work out. It's mm. like disturbing. Yeah. I have it on my phone because it's super motivating to see that. And it's, it's, it's clear. It's a fact. It's not like right. maybe doing this, maybe it's not. Anyway, so bone density is super important. Heart health, like, you know, we talk about cardio, right? But you're still getting cardiovascular benefits doing strength training. Your, your muscles demand blood. So there is going to be some work your heart does. Sports performance, of course, whether your sport is just, you know, competitive or just going hiking on the weekends, you know, hopefully you have some kind of activity. It could be anything at any level, biking, whatever, walking, we could even call it a sport if we wanted to. So, you know, improving your performance in that. Your work capacity is increased when you do strength training. So that could be more energy to, I can sustain myself longer periods of time, whether it's again in, in life or sports, I can just work harder in less time with less effort, more energy, more focus in my work. This is what employers should be listening to this. Right. You want your, your focused. Yeah. Uh, let them go work out. So, you know, give them a time, like a lunch break to go work out. Another mission yeah. that I would love to uh, conquer. Yeah, I'm on that Confidence boat with you. One that really connects with me. Confidence. Mm -hmm. Like the insecurities I had growing up that were completely in my head would and were actually resolved with strength training. Like even after workout, even as an adult, I had insecurities and lack of confidence in myself. And it's like immediately after workout, I could like just stand more proud and feel more more positive about myself, yes. you know, even though it's all up here and no one probably thought the things, negative things that I thought about myself. So having that confidence and that just led to improving everything in my life, having that confidence. Um, almost done with the benefits here. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, this is a newer one I came across, which seems so obvious now. Strength training, one of the deterrents is that it does have a steeper learning curve. You have to learn how to move your body and your joints a little more, a little more particularly. Right. You can't just like roof any way you want. You actually have to pay attention and understand it. But that skill development increases your brain function and therefore your brain health. So connecting that back to like yeah. Alzheimer's and dementia. 
Love it. So huge. Neuroscientists love the benefits of strength training and exercise in general for what it does for the brain functions. But yeah, specifically strength training because of the skills required in it. Yeah. And then lastly, this is my favorite one for strength training, favorite benefit. I get better results in less time. Yes. And Ugh, amen to that. I don't want to live in the gym. So this means I can do less reps and <laughs> take more rest. And I love that part. Yeah. So sign me up for more strength training just for that reason alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. It's it's really good. Well, let's just move on to the next question that I had for you, which is, you know, for people that want to get started with fitness or maybe take their fitness to the next level, you know, mm -hmm. what are what are your top tips for those people? Yeah. So I mentioned a few of those, uh, you know, of course, like getting workout power, hiring a coach. Uh, some other important ones is... Trying out different equipment can be fun because you might hate dumbbells, but love kettlebells. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a big fan of barbells early on. So yeah. even though the movement's the same with a barbell or dumbbell for the most part, it's just sometimes a barbell is just more fun for me. So trying different equipment, so, you know, like I say, filling your gym with toys and that can grow over time. If you're deterred by the complexity of a workout, because it's not just one exercise, it might be a few. Um, you know, there might be 15, 20, 10, whatever it is. I have workouts that are simply three exercises, makes it easy for the brain. But if something like that is stopping you, you want to simplify it. Uh, my warmups are very detailed. I'm a, I could go on about, on about warmups and why they're important. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm willing to let people maybe do some things that are not the best or not as good for them. If it means they're going to start making progress towards actually doing more things. Uh, so you might simplify the warmup or the workout just to keep yourself more invested. Cause yeah, there might be that one thing in that workout that's deterring you. And if that's the case, just cut it out. You know, we can bring it back later. Just right. whatever. Don't, don't let anything stop you. If you hate something, push up. then find something else. There's yeah. hundreds of options and alternatives. Yeah. Lowering the intensity. I mean, we don't need to kill ourselves every time we go in the gym, going back to the whole, like less reps, more rest. Like it's intense for a few seconds and then it's not. Yeah. And some activities like what I thought when I was younger was like, you know, I had to be doing like all out sweating on the verge of throwing up muscles burning, just a miserable experience. Ugh, yeah, no it doesn't have to be that way. So that deters you. Right. It's like, I don't want to go feel that every yeah. day. So in your head, you're like, nah, I'm done. You can lower the intensity. Go easy. Nothing wrong with that. You know, just focus more on that consistency first. Yeah. Following a plan is really important, uh, tracking progress. Even if your plan is as simple as I'm going to work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And then that plan can, you can expand upon that. You can be like, I'm going to do total body today, upper body tomorrow, I'm going to run the next day. Right? I'm going to do yoga on this day, Pilates this day. That's a plan of some degree. You know, you can get very detailed. I'd say leave that more up to, more up to the coaches because they are going to nerd out on that stuff. Me especially, like... You know, I, I could write mm. programs all day and I rewrite programs for no reason just because I love it. Um, so yeah, having a plan is, is key and sticking to that plan. A big mistake people make too when they're first starting out is they feel like it's all or nothing. It's like, oh, I missed right. a workout. Well, it's not going to matter now. Right. So I'm done. You know, you don't need to go all out. It doesn't need to be all or nothing. Yeah. It doesn't need to be 60 minutes when it could be 10 minutes. Right. Right. Just show up. And I will say the things that we do on the terrible habits that we get into is we sacrifice our workouts for something else going on in life, mm. whether it's work or our own yeah, so true. obligations in our personal life. But guess what? Those will always be there. <laughs> and I cannot get in the habit. Unfortunately. Of yeah. 
It's yeah, so it'll true. always be there. And it, every single work, I'm just like, oh gosh, you know, I should really go get this thing done. Well, I think it has to get done regardless, and it's going to get done regardless. Yeah. And guess what? When that thing's done, there's going to be something else waiting to get done. But my workout should not be sacrificed. Yep. And the funny thing is, is whatever I have to get done will get done better and faster because I worked oh, out, right? Exactly. I try to drive this point home all the time to my high-performing clients because they've, they're usually seeing me because they've sacrificed their self-care and health for years, maybe even decades for their careers, which given their careers are usually pretty impressive, but now they're struggling with these health issues and, you know, trying to get fit later in life. And it's never too late, but it's also like never too soon to start prioritizing mm -hmm. that. And it does make you more productive. It does just help you function and perform so much better in your everyday life, your career and your relationships. I mean, the trade-off is significant. I mean, it's sure. It, maybe you start work half an hour later that day or something, but <laughs> you're probably going to make up for that because you're more focused and productive versus, you know, feeling more run down and distracted and tired, et cetera. It's amazing how stress seems to disappear or the things that were daunting mm -hmm. are no longer daunting. In fact, we actually have yeah. a energy about attacking these things a lot better after we've worked out. It's like, whatever worries you got, go work out. Oh, okay. That's not a big deal. I got this. In fact, I welcome this, this stress or this challenge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that's key. And yeah, so you, you can't, that's a mistake we all make. We just tend to sacrifice our own well-being because we think something is more important. And I don't know of anything more important than your own health. Right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, another mistake people make, though, when they're first starting out, like I was saying, going all in, <laughs> all or nothing. And it's great. They'll sustain that for a bit. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. Maybe it's a year. Right? I'm talking to you, New Year's crowd. They burn out quickly. And yes. if you cannot sustain <laughs> this for life, I'm going to say there's no point to even begin. Like your body doesn't care if you used to be in shape or you used to work out right. every year. You cannot sustain it. You've got to find a way to change it so that you can sustain it. Because burnout is is a it's common real. thing that stops people. And I think it's important to make the distinction too between consistency and imperfection. Like it, I think people assume if I'm consistent, that means I have to be doing this every day, all you know, all the time, perfectly, and never miss a workout. Yeah, yeah. When no, it's really about showing up more often than not and often enough, consistently enough to get the result. It doesn't mean perfection. People make the same mistake with their nutrition. They feel like, oh, well, I blew it with, you know, breakfast. So I guess the whole day goes out the window. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You're one meal, one choice away from being right back on track. And I feel like it's the same thing with our fitness. Just do what you can. Next day, you know, get back into it in whatever small way that you can and then, you know, stick to it. <laughs> Try and stick with it. You miss a date, no big deal. Next day is a new day. Just keep going, keep going. And if you have to have a lower bar to reentry, fine, do it. You know, sometimes for me, you know, like I mentioned to you earlier, like I've had this crazy week where we've been traveling and we've had people in town and we've had events and I am not as consistent as I normally am. Like I didn't get my regular weight training workouts in over the last week. However, we were super active. We were walking a ton when we were traveling and the days when maybe we weren't 
even if I just did some core work on the floor before bed or something, like just doing something is makes it so much easier to get back into the groove. And you don't feel as discouraged either mentally, right? Because you've been doing something. You've been doing whatever you could that day. So you don't feel like a failure. You don't feel like, well, I've completely blown it. So it just makes it easier to get back into. And I remembered, I want to say really quickly, in a couple of my other episodes, I've been talking to people about energetics, you know, those of us who've had different traumas and things in our life. I think another really wonderful thing about fitness in general, definitely strength training in particular, because as you're strength training, let's use like a bicep curl as an example, you're really focusing on and feeling that muscle move, right? I think it's a really excellent way of getting back into our bodies and becoming more connected and present in our physical bodies. Because a lot of the people that I work with, they've had sexual abuse, um, other physical abuse, different things like that, traumas that it's very hard for them to actually be connected with their physical body. Like they're there, they're obviously, they're moving around, like they're living their life, but they're not really connected. So they're out of touch with their emotions or whatever is going on there. And for me, this has been a really significant way to start connecting and feeling safe in my physical body again. So that's a little bit of an aside, but I think that that's a benefit that's to all. this that's not often acknowledged and that people don't yeah. realize until they start to really do it. And um, it's amazing. It can be really healing. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's a great point right there. Part of what happens is we become more consistent is we start to build that awareness and we start to make that connection to our own body. It's pretty obvious when we're hungry, when we're tired. Right. And I believe that we can also learn to sense when our body's not functioning or operating the way it should be, when we're not using our muscles, when we've been maybe being too restful, yeah. right? So you start to be like, oh, this feels different, right? And you make that connection. And there is, of course, the neuroscience of the brain, the body connecting and all that, that benefits. So there's the physiological stuff, but yeah, just that, that, that connection you're talking about is so important. I mean, that's probably one of the, I should probably list that as one of the top benefits, you know? Yeah. It's a great, great point. Yeah. So anything else you want to add? Uh, of course. So <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, going back to tips, yeah. you know, and there's, there's, I don't want to overwhelm people with, with data here. It's like, if you can just pick one thing I've said to hang on to, uh, whether it's one tip or one benefit that you feel is worthwhile to you, something that relates to you. Hey, that's great. I want to find that one thing that affects you. I'm not looking to give you like, Hey, here's 50 things mm -hmm. that, right. you know, check all these boxes, right? It's just find that one thing that connects to you and talking about what you were saying. If you need to take a break, take a break. I would only become worried if that break is longer than a few weeks, mm -hmm. you know, because you're just reducing your chance of coming back. And right. some people need a break, especially if they've been pushing hard in, in work or training, whatever it is. Yeah. Just challenge the life, take a break. So some other tips, though, is you kind of have to know yourself, too. You need to set yourself up for success in the sense that if I am not uh, likely to work out at night, I should not schedule my workouts at night. Right. If I am more likely to work out in the morning, then that's when I schedule my workouts, right? Yeah. So you have to kind of know, all right, what's my chances of success here? What's my compliance? Am I actually going to do this thing because it's realistic for me? Or is it just because I'm following some instruction that I received? So you got to tailor the, yeah. the rules to your own personality and lifestyle. 
Um, I'll reiterate this again because I don't want people to think that I'm just like so obsessed with strength training as I am. But don't only lift weights. Go do other stuff too. Like ideally, you talked about, I even saw like a post you did. You're out kayaking yeah. and I was super jealous. Like <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Go out and enjoy life. Definitely get outside. Uh, the benefits of that are just enormous. So use that newfound strength that you get in the gym and go out and apply it and do things that are more enjoyable and not necessarily considered exercise. And then you have to be patient in the process too. Mm. It, there is that learning curve. I get so scared with people when they're first starting out. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to feel so overwhelmed. And, you know, it's like I said, it's not as easy as other activities just because you do have to build that skill. But now I equate that to improving your brain function, brain health. So maybe that'll be like, oh, cool. My, this is hard. I understand this move. What's going on? But uh, at least my brain's benefiting from it right now, right? So be patient in the process. Yeah. It actually happens really fast. I mean, I have a saying plateau is a no-no. That's because every single week, progress is measurable. Every single week, you can make progress. Yeah. And it's not hard to do. I'm not a genius by any means. It's actually just the science behind training is not that hard to follow. And there's no reason why I can't make progress in some aspect every single week. So, but you just got to be patient. You know, yeah. there's no rush. And you, especially if you're just getting started, like if you're comparing yourself to somebody who's been fit their entire life, who has even one year of experience on you. Yeah. That's not a full comparison, you know? So be a little nicer to yourself. Understand like, Hey, I'm just getting going again. I'm going to get to where I need to, but that's where the, the progress tracking, the progress photos, whatever resonates with you. That's how you keep yourself going. And, uh, you know, those are, those are the tips I'd get started with. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So in conclusion, um, where can people find you and how can they work with you? Uh, yes. So my website is modernathletics.com. People are certainly welcome to email me. I may have overwhelmed them with some information or need to clarify some things. I love educating. I love answering questions. I encourage people to ask questions. You don't have to pay me to get something from me. So, and your questions are insightful for me too, because I start to learn how other people think and I learn about things that maybe I'm too close to that I didn't consider. So feel free to email me, Dustin at modernathletics.com. And then the, probably the place I would post the most on social media is going to be Instagram. It's also at, at modernathletics. Cool. And I know that you work with a lot of, you know, high level athletes, but do you work with just beginners too, or people at any phase of fitness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly beginners. Like it's a big goal of mine to get people introduced to strength training at any age. So, you know, I work with people from 15 to, like I said, they're in their 80s. Awesome. So, and it's the same principles pretty much apply. We're just all starting at different places. Yeah. So I, if I can get somebody hooked into strength training and it's so exciting that when they experience it for the first time versus people who already know they've been doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're fun to train, but beginners are a lot of fun to work with. So yeah, don't feel like you need to be experienced. Don't feel like you need to go get in shape in order to start getting in shape. Start by learning the principles early on, working with a coach and not make all the mistakes that the rest of us have made when we were first trying to learn on our own. So, but yeah, beginners are a great place to start because you haven't built those terrible habits and uh, I can start fresh. Awesome. I love it. Well, this has been a really fun conversation and thanks for joining me today. And everybody, I will have Dustin's contact information in the show notes for you as well. So um, be sure to check that out. And um, yeah, thanks for, for hanging out today. I really enjoyed this combo. So happy to do it. Thank you, Jeannie. Great. Talk soon. Bye. 
Hey there, thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave me a quick review. Also, check out the show notes for links to connect, follow, and share this podcast and for information featured in each episode. See you next time. I am not a doctor and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. All information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and does not establish any kind of practitioner or coach-client relationship. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you hear in this podcast or any other, and do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your health provider. Always seek the advice of a qualified health practitioner before undertaking a new health regimen. This podcast and website represents the opinion of Jeannie Oliver and guests to the show. Opinions of guests are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Jeannie Oliver Wellness LLC or our producers.